in their life, and I'm thankful for that. Thankful to watch them serve and to watch them work. We're going to be in James this morning. I'm going to read in a few minutes. Uh, As I was thinking about this message, I'm used to uh, preaching to middle school students, and so I get down on their level, which is pretty much my level, and uh, uh, (laughs) I expected that out of Brandon, but not you, Dale. We uh, play a game sometimes, and in junior church, we'd play a game called Simon Says, and uh, you know, the point of the game is whatever Simon says, you're to do, and uh, you know, we'll throw a trick in every now and then, and we won't say that Simon says, and if you do it anyway, then you're, you're out, right? And you, you've lost the game there, and you, you're, you're kind of out of the situation there. And so we've all played that game before. But Simon Says is a game of focus, and it's a game of responding. It's a game of paying attention, and it's a game of reacting. The way you succeed at Simon Says is by listening and responding quickly. Let me stop for just a second and promise you one thing. There are people back here that I trust with all my heart taking care of Mr. Wayne. And I'll ask you to pay attention to what God has to say to you today and let them do what they're doing. If you'll do that for me and do that for God, I would appreciate it. You succeed by listening and responding quickly to what Simon says. And if the Christian life was a game of Jesus says, I wonder how well we would do. I have to wonder how well I would do if it was a a game of Jesus says and the goal was to remain focused on him and to respond quickly in obedience to what Jesus says we should do. I wonder how well I would do sometimes. And so I put that into my life and I think about the winner of Simon Says gets a great prize. And the winner of Simon Says gets bragging rights. You know, and there's always this this one winner here. Uh, But but I bet the truth would be that if uh, uh, I would do far worse at Jesus Says than I would at Simon Says sometimes. Because Simon just says, touch your nose or touch your ear or hold a foot up. And Jesus says, Go. And Jesus says, do. And Jesus says, speak. Sometimes we find those things a little harder to do. But God is looking for us to respond joyfully. When Jesus says, he wants a joyful response. He wants a wholehearted response. He wants an immediate response to his commands. When Uh, When we tell the kids, you parents, when you tell your kids, go clean your room. Get up and go clean. Emily, everybody on your pew is looking at you right now. Emily is one of my wonderful students. And like, and she's going to slap me later probably for calling her out in big church. But when the parent says go and do. Get up, go clean your room. That's what you intend for them to do. You don't mean them for them to do that when they get good and ready. You don't mean for them to uh, do that just anytime they want to. You mean for them to do it now. 
And for these new age parents, it's not called delayed obedience. It's called disobedience. Well, they'll just, they're living their own life. And they, no, they're disobeying you. It's not delayed obedience, it's disobedience. And I don't know about your daddy, but my daddy's sitting back there. And when my daddy's, y'all think Papa Willie's a sweet man. I do too now. But when Papa Willie would say, go and do, and I'd say, yeah, old man, I'll get to it in a little while. First thing I heard was that belt buckle undoing, followed by pop, 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 as it made its way through the belt loops coming out. And I suddenly went and done what I was told to do. Don't say you didn't. I'm 41 and he'd still do it. I'm pretty sure he would. We don't expect our children to do things at their own time. God wants us to do things when he tells us to. But he wants us to do it joyfully. He wants us to serve him joyfully. He wants us to serve him wholeheartedly. He wants an immediate response, not when it's convenient for us. And in the New Testament, we find four men named James. Four different men we can find named James, but the writer of the book of James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's the half-brother because they got the same mama, different daddy. <laughs> Amen? Same mama, different daddy. The book of James is 108 verses. We're studying this book. I'm not just smart, y'all. We're studying this book in Sunday school right now. There's 108 verses in the book of James, and out of 108, 54 of them, exactly half, are imperative verses. Now, when we say imperative, that is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an opinion. And James, if you know anything about James, he wasn't big on opinion. He wasn't big on uh, suggestions. He, James really didn't care what people thought. He just said what he said based on the truth. And so when I go through this today, for, forgive me, but I didn't come here to make a suggestion or to give you an opinion. I'm just going to read the Word of God. I'm just going to show you what the Word of God says to us and how we should do certain things. James is a, a commanding figure. He don't want to hear excuses. Paul Hutchins is much smaller than me. But he looked at me one time. He didn't have to touch me. He said, an excuse only sounds good to the one making it. And he turned around and walked off. Knocked me to the ground. He said it in love. I needed to hear it. And I've heard it a bunch since then. But the truth is, is we make excuses for everything. James would rather deal with function rather than theory. I'm the same way. I don't care how it works. I just want to know that it works, whatever it is. I don't want to know that. Dale, like, he's into nuts and bolts, and I'm just like, where's the on-off switch at? That's all I care about. I don't, I don't need to know all that. Just let me see how it works. He wants to know more about your walk, less about your talk. He's concerned more with your demonstration and less about your declaration. He wants to know more about your possession and less about your profession. He's just kind of an in-your-face guy here. He's concerned that we have too much of a it-is-what-it-is Christianity going on today. 
Well, it just is what it is. That's his concern even back in this time. He sees the church has become a, a, a playpen for babies instead of a workforce for brothers and sisters in Christ. He's concerned with the fact that all these things are going on and he's a to-the-point kind of preacher. And he even starts out in James chapter 1. He says, and this is the Jason version, but he says, Hello, I'm James. Jesus is Lord. Now let's get to work. That's all he says. Let's get to it. And in our text scripture this morning, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 25, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Now listen to this. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed." Cool thing about the book of James, you can be seated. Cool thing about the book of James. The book of James is basically a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7 over in there. It's, it's basically, now he may put things in a different order, but he's hitting on the same words of Jesus there, uh, in, 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 even in what we just read there. Matthew 7, just to give you just one example, says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I'll profess unto you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, floods came, winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Throughout Jesus' ministry, all throughout his ministry, he repeatedly emphasizes the importance of not only hearing his word, but doing his word. Not only just hearing what the Bible says, hearing what the preacher says, uh, listening to what the song says, but actually going out and doing it. In Luke 6, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? In Luke 11, he said, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. In John 13, he said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. James understands that, that it's very important that we don't just hear the word of God, but that we uh, put it into action. That, that, that when we take what we hear and we put it in action, how do we respond to God's word? How receptive am I to the word of God? How receptive are you to the word of God? How hungry for it are you? 
I wasn't going to tell this story, Amber, but I'm going to. Yesterday, uh, I got to drive a NASCAR, <laughs> a very fast NASCAR. And so I had several concerns going in there. One, I walk in there, and there's a bunch of Andrew Barbers standing in there putting on their little jumpsuits. And I'm like, hmm, all right, cool. I hope they got one that'll fit me. And man, I had room in that thing. I felt good. I was like, all right, I'm doing something. The next problem I had, Brandon, I went out there and looked at the helmets. <laughs> yeah, me and Brandon got the same problem. I'm like, whew, I don't know. This ain't looking too good. Sure enough, he found it. I said, man, I need the biggest one you got. Don't embarrass me. Just get the biggest one you got. And he's like, whoop, fit right on. I'm like, man, that's great. And then I remembered in the training, they said the doors don't open. You got to climb through the window. And I'm like, woo, woo. I'm looking at the window. I'm looking at me. I look back at the window. I'm like, baby, this ain't going to work. What are we going to do? And uh, she said, well, they said they had different cars for different size people, you know. And I said, baby, that's the seat. That's how tall you are. It ain't got nothing to do with crawling in the window. And so I get up there and I do it just like the video showed me and I throw my leg in and I look like an elephant trying to stand up, but I get the other one over in there and I slide down in the car and I fit. And I remembered what the guy told me standing there at the, at the fence there. He said, uh, I said, man, I don't know. I said, I got the helmet on and I got the, the jumpsuit on. I said, I don't know if I'm going to fit in that window. He said, if you want it bad enough, you will. <laughs> He said, if you want to drive that car bad enough, you'll get in that car. I was like, you know what? You're right. If we want to do the word of God bad enough, we'll get in that car. We'll figure out a way. The, the, the problem is not uh, that we can, it's that we won't. It's not that we can, it's that we won't sometimes. How hungry are we for the word of God? James gives us some counsel in the first few verses I read there, 19 through 21, and how we can be receptive to the Word of God. And there's a whole lot of practical applications all through those verses there on how we should act in our relationships. But the primary reason that James wrote this scripture uh, was to explain to us how we become receptive and how we become open and how we become available to receive the Word of God. We can make all kind of practical applications to our relationships with one another through these scriptures. But the meaning is, is how do you get closer to God? How do you become a better servant? How do you become better for Christ? Verse 22 through 25 is where we're going to dig in this morning. And listen to me. Wholehearted acceptance of the word of God must result in obedience to the word of God. Wholehearted acceptance to the word of God has to result in obedience to the Word of God. If we say we believe it, if we say we accept it, we better be doing it. Verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Accepting the Word of God requires some measure in your own life. Accepting it uh, requires some measure of doing. It's one thing to hear it, but if you really accept it, then it will be seen in the way you live your life. I tell these guys every week, 
2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be ye separate. Somebody should see Christ in you. It shouldn't be that you have to tell everybody you're a Christian. They should see it. They should feel it. They should know it. You're not accepting the word of God if it stays in your head and never makes it to your hands and feet. I'm not accepting the word of God if I know what it says and I choose not to go do what it says. I'm just not accepting it if that's the case. James is not against hearing the word of God. Uh, hearing the word of God is a, it's a good thing. Listening to good Christian music is a good thing. Reading, listening to good preaching, all those are good things. The problem is, is he's saying it can't stop here because if it stops there, then the verse says, verse 22 says, you're deceiving your own self. You're, you're deceiving your own self. It's good to set goals on reading the Bible. Read the Bible through in a year. It's good to listen to good music. It's good to listen to good preaching. It's good to go to church. It's good to memorize verses. But if you put a check mark by that every single time and say, I've done what I'm supposed to do, we're missing the mark. We're missing what it is we're supposed to be doing. And the Bible says we're deceiving ourselves because those things don't please God. Doing pleases God. I'm not advocating working ourselves to death. I'm advocating taking what this word says and putting it into action. God would rather you read 10 minutes a day and put that into action than read five hours a day and do absolutely nothing. That's where God would rather us be in our life. Back to the kids cleaning their room. Y'all hate me, don't you? If your parents tell you to go clean your room, here's what I want y'all to do. Y'all do this. Parents, when you get home, tell them to clean their room. Y'all listen to me right here. Where you at, Tater? Listen to me. Here's what you do. When they tell you to clean your room, I want you to say this. I want you to come back two hours later and say, Mom, Dad, I memorized what you told me to do. You said go clean my room. See, I did good. I even wrote a song about it. I'm going to sing it to you. I'm going to go clean my, I'm going to sing you the song about cleaning my room. Hey, I even learned what it means in the Greek. <laughs> I even learned, I'm a, I'm a room cleanologian. I know what it means. I've done so good. Hey, you know what, mom and dad, as a matter of fact, I'm going to call all my friends over and we're going to have pizza and we're going to discuss what it means to clean my room. Now, don't that just make you so proud? We're going to talk all about it. We're going to analyze it. And we're going to have a detailed understanding. We good now? No, you told them to go clean their room. There's nothing to be discussed. There's nothing to be uh, talked about. When they say go clean your room, they mean go clean your room. And they mean do it now. They don't mean think about it. They don't mean pray about it. They don't mean sing songs about it. They don't mean wear shirts about it. They mean to go do it. And for some reason, too many of us Christians are, are studying, and that's great. We're praying, and that's great. Uh, we're singing, and that's great. But if we ain't going to do what we're studying, praying, and, and singing about, then we're deceiving our own self. So why even do it? I heard this, and I believe it. We can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We can be so caught up on remembering things and memorizing things that we don't do anything. We don't get anything done, right? 
There's no such thing as a Christian who don't do the Word, who don't do what the Word says. If we're genuinely saved, then our heart's desire should be to do the Word. Yeah, there's things that pull us away. Who wants to go to work in the morning, right? No, not, we really don't. But there are things we have to do. Uh, there are lives we have to live. Uh, there are things that make us lazy from time to time. But the desire of our heart should be to do what he says to do. The desire of our heart should be to go and get it done. Faith in God and accepting that gift of salvation is what makes us a Christian. But doing his word is what pleases God and points other people to him. That's how we're going to get other people to see that. In chapter 2, James says uh, this. is kind of confusing. We got into it in Sunday school a couple weeks ago. But in James chapter 2, uh, he said, What does it profit, my brethren, uh, though a man say he has faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give him not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so with uh, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Man says, I have faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I'll show thee my faith by my works. If thou believest there is one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Let me be clear right quick. A lot of people like to say James and Paul are contradicting each other. They like to say that Paul says faith alone saves and James is saying it takes works to be saved. Well, I, I, I want to tell you this morning, that's not what's going on here. Your works or doing the word won't save you. Salvation in the Lord uh, is the Lord's work. It's not your work to do. And thank God that was done over 2,000 years ago on the cross. That was done at Calvary. We don't have to do that work. Aren't you glad for that? But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, uh, James is not denying that faith saves. They're not disagreeing here. They're just talking about two kinds of faith. They're talking about two avenues of faith. Uh, uh, James is uh, rejecting the notion that this particular kind of faith saves, a faith that doesn't produce works, is not salvation. Faith that's only an, only an intellectual agreement is not a saving faith. In verse 19, uh, in that chapter I just read, we see even the devils believe. Even the devils believe and tremble, but they hate God. In their mind, they agree there is a God. Saving faith is the act of the person. That saving faith is the act of the person in our will and giving ourselves to serve Jesus. And true faith is expressed by your works. Is that clear? We're clear? True faith is expressed by our works. It's expressed by what we do. It's not really that hard of a concept. If I said to you, the roof of this sanctuary in one minute is going to crash down. I'm counting now, 60 seconds. The roof of this sanctuary is fixing to crash down. And you believed me and desired to live and were physically able, you would take action and exit. <laughs> Right? You would be making your way out of here. Truth, faith would lead us to works. I believe what he says, so I'm fixing to move. <laughs> I believe what he's saying, so I'm going to get up and do what he's telling me to do. Leaving the room would be the result of your faith. It's not in contradiction with each other. 
We're justified by our faith alone, but true faith is never alone. It's, it's never alone. If we truly trust Christ as our Savior, that's going to show up in how we live our life each and every day. Are we going to stumble? Yeah, at least I do. I don't know about y'all. Are we going to fall? Yeah, I do. Are we going to want to run somebody off the road? Yeah, sure, sure will. Throat punch somebody? Yeah, I'd like to sometimes. But our desire should be to live for Christ every day. There are far too many Christians, far too many students, far too many people coming to church, sitting on a pew to be a spectator. Guilty. Guilty. We come with one goal in mind, that's to be a spectator, to sit in the stands, to hope we have a good song service, to hope the choir does good, hopefully that preacher filling in won't stay up there too long, yet we, <laughs> yet we leave the building and do absolutely nothing with what they said to us. We leave the building and we forget everything that's said. Y'all, look, we can go through a four-week series, and I'm not knocking on y'all. I know y'all are busy and tired all the time. But we can go through a four-week series in Emerge and so, on Wednesday night. And if we do that during school when everything's busy, on the fourth Wednesday, I say, hey, guys, or Mr. Terry or, 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 or Vince or somebody will come up and say, hey, guys, for a brand-new box of M&Ms, what did we talk about last week? Six of them are going to say, oh, Jesus. <laughs> they don't remember. And I get upset with them, but then I'm like, what did the pastor say last week? Jesus. <laughs> we all do that. We leave church on Sunday and can't remember on Monday what the pastor said. Why? We don't want to get in the car bad enough. We don't want it bad enough. How can we apply the word of God we hear on Sunday if we can't even remember it on Monday? Awana, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study, somebody help me, to show thyself approved. A workman, y'all are cheating. I know what y'all are doing. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divided the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved. Study, we need to be doing James gives us, I love James because he gives us examples here. He, he don't just, uh, sometimes I read the Bible and it's like, here's what you need to do, but there's no instructions on how to do it, right? I don't feel like I've, uh, sometimes I'll go and I'll hear a preacher preach a message and he tells me what I need to do, but he don't give me any instructions on how to do it. And it's like, well, you want me to do this, but nobody telling me how. James, in every single analogy he makes, he gives us examples. And here we got two examples in verse 23 through 25. Uh, I want to help you. The, the first person uh, is a hearer only, and the second one is a hearer who does. Uh, verse 23 says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. James uses the analogy of a man or a woman who looks in a mirror and they see uh, something wrong and they walk away anyway. They just walk away anyway. Everybody in here this morning, you looked in a mirror before you come to church. Well, maybe some of these didn't, but most of you did. And when you looked in that mirror, your hair was like, right? 
ladies. Miss Phyllis, come on, your hair, you don't look like that when you wake up. I know you don't, you probably do. But your hair's like, right? We got this uh, pillow marks all over our face. We got eye boogers, right? Trying to get all that mess out. We got drool down our chin and stuff. Andrew's got drool all stuck in his beard and stuff. And we look in the mirror and we're like, ugh, that's pretty bad. That's, that's a mess right there. And the Bible says that we look in the mirror and we see all those things and we're like, ugh, oh well. And turn around and walk off. Nobody done that. Everybody in here except Dale and me brushed our hair to some degree this morning. We, Daniel, he didn't do nothing to his. But we, we all took time to say, man, I need to get that out, man. I need to, well, ooh, I need to brush my teeth. Man, I got drool right here, toothpaste sticking down through here. Like, I need to do something about that. And we all took action. We all done what we needed to do to make ourselves presentable. The Bible talks about this man who sees all this stuff and walks away from it. The Word of God is a mirror. This Bible is a mirror. And when we look in this mirror, we should be able to see our comparison to Jesus Christ and we look at it and say, ugh, I'm a mess. But the Bible's clear and James is clear that we look at it and say, oh man, I'm not doing any of this. And we turn around and walk away. We turn around and go our own way. He reveals to us where we stand. We, we see God's nature and character in the Word of God, and we see all these things. We see, oh man, I need to shave. Oh man, my hair's messed up. Oh man, I need to do this. I need to do that. I got issues. We see all that in the Word of God. It shows us our sin. It shows us our shortcomings. It shows us all of our wrongdoing. But then we close the book, and we go on about our day. And we do this over and over and over and over again without fixing it. Look at the word in verse 24 says, uh, the King James Bible says, forgetteth. And I want you to look at that word for a minute uh, because the man sees the problem and he goes about his business and he forgets the problem. He, he forgets that there is a, a problem there. Now this is not the same forget as, oh, I forgot to brush my hair. I didn't remember. No, this is a choice. He makes a choice, Alex, to forget what he saw in the mirror. He makes a, a, a choice. It means neglect. Imagine going to the doctor and saying, Doc, I've decided I need to lose weight. I think that would be a good idea for me. Doctor, I need to lose weight. What do I need to do? He gives us some things to do. He gives us some exercises. He gives us some meal plans. He, he gives us some tips on how to live our life. And he explains, hey, this ain't going to happen overnight, but give it some time and things will get better for you. And you'll get healthier and you'll lose weight and all these things. He goes back two weeks later. Doc, I gained eight pounds. <laughs> what in the world? And the doctor says, well, did, did, you, did, did, you, did you exercise? No. Did, did you eat a little better? Well, no. Well, what about cutting back on this or that? No. How foolish of a person to go to the doctor and say, Doctor, I need help. And the doctor gives you the cure for the ailment. He gives you the help. 
and we walk away and don't do it and then wonder why nothing changes. The same is true when we say, God, I need help. Show me. Show me. And the Bible says, quit backbiting. And the Bible says, quit spending frivolously. And the Bible says, uh, quit going on about your own ways and quit uh, searching after your own lust and start doing the things that God tells you to do. And, oh, man, this is all the areas I need help in. And I walk away, and two weeks later, oh, I give up on that. It ain't helping me at all. What have you done to try? What have I done to try? What, what, where, where have we got there? We chose to forget what it says. We made a choice to forget what it says. It would do us some good to take a look at the man in the mirror sometimes. It would do us some good uh, to do that. And we can get distracted by things because like that man at the mirror and like that man at the doctor, we lack the desire to change. We don't want it bad enough. We like the end result. We like what it looks like down the road. But we don't want to travel the road to get there. We don't want to make the individual changes. We don't want to do what needs to be done. We just want to see it happen. We don't change because we don't want to change. Guilty. You know who's responsible for the word of God when it convicts you? I have parents come to me sometimes and say, I just, I just, I don't know. Are, are y'all even preaching in here? Because, uh, you know, Junior, he's still acting up all the time and he's not doing right. And Is that Vince guy, is he, is he helping at all? I mean, what's he doing? You know, Andrew said probably not. <laughs> I didn't say it, Vince, Andrew did. And, but parents are like, seriously, like they're wanting to blame us because their kid's acting up. And I'm like, uh, it's your responsibility to raise them right. Not mine, it's yours. Where's the responsibility of our own conviction? Where's the responsibility of our own desire to change and do better? God wants us to be doers and not just hearers only. Look at 25 right quick, I'm gonna be done. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty is this word, and what it stands for. Whoso looketh into this perfect law of liberty, continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a what? A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. Look at these action words, these verbs. A verb is a word that uh, uh, involves action in this verse. We see that he looks. We see that he looks. Uh, he looks into the perfect law of liberty. It's not just regular looking. When you research that word in this context right here, it means to look intently. It means to look so he can change. It means to uh, take that deep, deep look into the word, this perfect law of liberty, and to see where it is he needs to change. Because when we look intently into this perfect law of liberty, when we take an intent look into this, it will reveal our sin to us. It will reveal our wrongdoing to us. It will reveal our shortcomings. It will reveal where we need uh, to fix our self. But you know what we also see? We see God's grace in this book. We see God's mercy in this book. We see the liberty that comes through Christ and the blood and the death on the cross in this book. The word of God is liberating. 
Song says, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. You can't claim that unless you find it right here for yourself. Unless you dig into here and you look into this word. Next we see the Bible says that he continueth therein. He keeps looking. Even after he realizes his freedom is in Christ, even after uh, he, he realizes all these things, there's two ways he continues. Two ways the Bible says in this verse we were looking at. He don't forget the word of God. How do you not forget the word of God? You keep your face in the word of God. We keep studying the word of God. And not only uh, that, he actively saturates his life with the word of God. He hides it in his heart like the Bible said. But not only does he forget, but he continues to act. He continues to live out the scripture. He continues to take this every single day and say, how can I be better? And this man can be blessed, the Bible says. I've had students, I don't know, Ben, you coming up here? Somebody come on up here. I've had students and adults that have come to me and say, uh, uh, Jason, I really want to grow closer to God. I just really want to grow. I, just, I need my walk to be closer with God and I just want to do so much more for God. I want to be who he wants me to be. And so I encourage them, get in the Bible. Get in this Bible every single day and do what it says to do. I encourage them, pray. Talk to God more than just at nighttime. Talk to God more than just before you eat. Talk to God daily. Talk to God continually. Find an accountability partner. I encourage them. Find somebody who will help hold you accountable. One of the best things I ever did was I went to Dale Prather and I went to a couple other guys and I said, hey, when, when you see me fall and tell me, just straight up tell me. When, when, when you, but that come on the heels of Dale coming to me when I fell one time and said, hey, this ain't. This, this don't look quite right. This don't seem quite right. This don't look like a good decision. And I got offended with Dale for about five seconds. And then I was like, you know what? From now on, Dale, continue to do that. Do you have somebody that can hold you accountable or do they become your enemy as soon as they call you out? Do you have that person? But I have these students and I tell them that find somebody that can Hold you accountable. Find somebody that can help you. Sometimes it's I want to overcome a sin in my life. I want to overcome this thing that's going on. I want to get rid of it. And I say, are you praying? Are you studying? Are you reading? Have you found that accountability partner? Have you done these things? Well, no, not really. No, I just, I really haven't. God's given us a means. James chapter 4 talks about drawing closer to God. God's given us a means to draw closer to him, to get to where he wants us to be. He's given us his word. He's given us good friends. He's given us a good church. He's given us good pastors. He's given us a good staff. He's given us good leadership. He's all these volunteers up here. He's given us so much help uh, to come in here and to grow. And we're not getting the full benefit of any of it because we're not choosing to grow. Some of us, some of us, we're just not choosing to grow. We're not, we're not making that decision to do. Have you looked at the man in the mirror? What's the man in the mirror look like? I'm blessed enough to be asked to come up here and preach today. 
I don't take it lightly. But when I look in the mirror, I still say, needs a little work there. Some days it needs a lot of work. So they're going to play and they're going to sing a song. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week. Find something intentionally to do for God. Do something intentionally that God's asked you to do. One thing I know about God, when he asks us to do something, his will will be done. You may not do it, but his will will be done. I can't count the number of blessings I've missed out on because I waited. I, I chose not to do what God asked me to do. Take a look at God's word. Look in the mirror and, and see what you see. Michael Jackson said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror, right? Yeah, I'm asking him to change his ways, right? No message could be any clearer. Help me. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. That's not in the Bible. That's completely secular, but it means a lot. Take a look in the mirror today. And ask yourself, where this week can I just do what God's asked me to do? Just one little thing. I'm not asking you to take off and go to Africa on a mission trip and leave everything. If God asked you to do that, it'd be cool. I mean, I'd love to know that. But one little thing, one little thing that I want you to find and do that God's asked you to do this week. And then next week, maybe find two. Week after that, maybe find three every single day. Students, you got all summer. Man, there's so much you could do. There's a lot more you can do. Make your mind up to do what God's called you to do. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to do it. As they sing, this altar's open. Come pray. Come pray for somebody. Let's continue to keep Wayne in our prayers. And just take a look in that mirror today for yourself. Still in your hands 
That's easy to say, but can you show me? <laughs> I can show you this morning. I can show you. I can show you that great is His faithfulness. I can physically show you that He can move mountains. Griff, will you stand up? Can you stand up, Griff? 
There's a mountain right there been moved in this young man's life. For weeks, he's been battling. He's been fighting. Griff, great is his faithfulness, right? Great is his faithfulness. Walk in miracle. That young man. Walking miracle. Great is his faithfulness. I've seen pictures, tubes coming out of his body, things plugged up to him in pain. His hands right here. Full surrender. God, I'll do it. Whatever. Whatever this is about, God, just see me through it. Great is his faithfulness to see us through that. Great is his faithfulness.